Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I say back because this is a special wrap-up to the wrap-up edition of the Media Boat Podcast Marched Madness 2023 Bracket Series. This year, of course, wrapping up the Taylor Swift Eras Tournament. So if you've been paying attention to our feed, if you've been listening to these episodes, we gave you a winner last time you heard from us of the 16-song Taylor Swift Eras bracket that we created by looking through all 10 of her albums and all 144 of those songs on them. Today, we're going to decompress a little bit, talk about how we feel about the process, anything we missed, any thoughts that we have, etc. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. And yes, if you happened to miss our, what is it? I think we clocked it in around eight hours of talking about Taylor Swift <laughs> over the past four episodes. Uh, one, yeah, a lot of catching up to two. And two, uh, we did end up crowning a Taylor, the most Taylor Swift song she's, cra- she's crafted. <laughs> it should come as no surprise that that song was all too well. Yes. So we've had a day to kind of sit and think about this. Do you think we got it right? You know what? I've had uh, I had a conversation with friend of the show, Christy, and I think she she was not surprised. <laughs> and then you as well. We had also a postmortem from your doctor. Uh, yes. And she also had some, well, she had a little bit more bone to pick about some of the songs that didn't move on as far as she maybe imagined they would. Specifically um, red, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, but um, I feel okay. I feel okay with the decision that we reached. I've come to the conclusion that um, I'm not sure if we mentioned this on the pod, on the actual finale, but I'm okay with where we went because even though Betty did come in second, um, and yes, I think what I argued for it being number one song could have well been because we were so close to just crowning it number one, but ultimately having had a day to think about it with Betty if while it is a Taylor Swift song it also feels like a song that anyone like a really good strong songwriter could have crafted whereas with um all too well it's a song that only Taylor Swift could have crafted yeah it's a lived experience as opposed to the third party like the third uh third person narrative um, and Betty, and yeah, that's the risk that you take when you pivot towards a third-person narrative style. And I remember this conversation kind of came up around the release of Folklore, where people are like, well, isn't that what everybody else does? Isn't what makes Taylor so unique is that she, most of her songs are about her own experience and her own feelings? Um, I mean, that's the nice thing about her career now, is that she's established she can do both. And that debate kind of came up multiple times in our um, in our discussions. And I think that that's just that reflects what she is now as an artist that she can operate in that personal zone and also give us these narrative songs about other other people and still in both cases draws into both of those stories yeah i have a feeling that if the pandemic didn't happen all too well would have kind of faded and just been the golden child kind of relic of 
fans, but because we had uh, COVID, because we had, because Taylor had a time to step back away from making pop album, pop album, pop album after Lover, that um, after nineteen eighty nine, Reputation Lover, that it was what do the fans want, and the fans said, "Give us more, all too well," and for me, that's how we get folklore. That's how we get evermore. I mean, it's definitely part of it. Um, also, like the song All Too Well, thanks to the re-recording projects, got to live kind of a second life uh, with the 10-minute version, the short film that accompanied it. And yeah, it's sort of like had its moment in the sun that, yeah, maybe it never would have quite in the same way if the pandemic hadn't happened and what happened happened with her masters. Um yeah, there's a lot of questions about what would have happened now. Like, what would have happened with her career if she had gone on that, done the lovers, uh, lover and friends tour, and would she have been inspired to do more pop songs? Maybe. Would we have gotten to Midnight's faster? Would Midnight sound completely different if Folklore and Evermore haven't didn't happen? I bet they. I bet it would. <laughs> like, we probably would have gotten that Karma album that every all the Swifties thought we were getting. Well, we got oh, an album you instead the karma that had a song. song. Yeah, I was going to say, we instead <laughs> we got an album with song called Karma, and the fans were satiated, sort of. <laughs> All right. So, speaking of the, the song Karma, there were a lot of songs from Midnight that we just couldn't get to uh, move on, even though they were all good. <laughs> like mean, yeah. Karma, Antihero, Maroon, Lavender Haze. Are you good with... Uh, <laughs> you're on your own kid and mastermind yeah i still think those are the two highlights of the record um i really like karma but to me in this bracket in which cruel summer couldn't even get past the first round there was no way that something like karma could have survived either i think just the setup as it is with a single elimination tournament is never going to treat the pop songs well as we found out because you're always going to be facing an opponent who has that emotional gut punch, TM, um, and the emotional gut punch is just going to win every time. Okay, but let's go to a song then that we both absolutely love. I think we both wish it would have moved on to brackets, and that is Mirrorball. Yeah, um, looking back, we had that choice between Mirrorball and You're On Your Own Kid? Your own kid, was, yeah. Was that what that... No. Yeah, because... That, yes. Wait, because that... we already moved on Betty, Champagne Problems, and Mastermind. Oh. So okay. it was Mirrorball or You're On Your Own Kid. Would we have dropped Mastermind then for... You think we should have dropped Mastermind then for um, Mirrorball? I think actually looking at how the bracket went, uh, maybe we should have dropped You're On Your Own Kid. But... Uh, they put Mirrorball up against like Champagne Problems? Yeah, that would have been an interesting battle because I probably honestly would have gone with Mirrorball. And but that then would that change... puts it Mirrorball versus Betty. <laughs> yeah, and it still would have lost. So maybe it doesn't change the complete <laughs> bracket, but at least like it would have been maybe a stronger contender than we thought it could have been. However, I see I, I get why in the moment we chose You're on Your Own Kid, because I think isolated, it's a fascinating song. But I think when it has to face other songs that are stronger, it was always destined to lose. Which is the thing about, that's why we do the seeds, right? Which is like, 
we know the ones that are going to be the favorites. And turns out one of our highest seeds ended up winning because of course it did. This isn't the actual March Madness. There were no huge upsets. <laughs> I mean, the closest we got to an upset was in red over Enchanted, but that's just due to seeding of how we uh, snake drafted it. Yeah. Um, of yeah. seven over ten. Otherwise, yeah, there was no really huge upset in that first round. The one in the second round, however, <laughs> was Love Story over our song. Well, yeah, I mean, I was I was fighting a um, uphill battle with that one. <laughs> I and I knew it. Like I had already lost my my pick with Enchanted, so I was already kind of like, oh, I can't lose another one. And then I lost another one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. No, I get, I get it. I hundred percent like get those decisions and that how staunchly you were in favor of love story. It seems like the other people in our lives agree. Um, so I guess just the nostalgia wins over in a lot of cases, and there's just more nostalgia for the bigger hit, which was love story. Now, speaking of those bigger hits, though, there were a lot of them left out of the brackets, especially <laughs> off 1989 that we could have put on here. Like style, shake it off, wildest dreams. The thing about those songs is that they may have been hits, but the rest of the album is stronger for me. So I kept looking at those big number one smashes and I was like, well, I like these other songs better. And we're not even considering these other songs either. So they just get left by the wayside. Blank Space is the one song that on the record that I, that I think was like, a smash and also i can appreciate the artistry like behind the others i feel like are so steeped in their time that it's hard to rank them in a bracket like this because they just sound so much like pop music of its era you know like shake it off style they just have an era for me yeah, i mean this is a pop i mean shake it off was loud and bombastic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Wildest Dreams a little bit more that kind of ethereal a bit sound but the ah uh, uh. <laughs> yeah like I get I, I get why people like it and it's not a bad song I do like it it's just that it sound the production would sound completely different now because of just how trends have changed and like how Jack Antonoff has grown as a producer how Taylor has grown as a songwriter and for me it's just I can't separate it Whereas, like, I can say Blank Space is a song that could come out now. Blank Space could have fit right in on, on Midnight's. I don't think that Wildest Dreams could. And it's just going to bring that up, because that is one thing that we did touch at the end of the last episode, but we didn't really quite dive into it as much as we probably may should have done, but ultimately chose not to, which is the... Uh, producers on the albums, the songs, and the additional songwriters. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I got a text message in the middle of that. What? What was that? One more time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was talking about um the productions, uh, the producers uh, on each album for each song, as well as additional songwriters. Because uh, we've uh, mentioned the different songwriters. Um. At the end of the tournament, when we're yeah. talking about Betty and All Too Well. 
Yeah, no, you're right. And yeah, that's what I thought that you said, but I want to double check. Um, but like, but the reason why I saved that conversation for the finals is because I think that it's very easy to just be like, oh, well, how much of this is Taylor? And so I wanted to avoid the, that kind of landmine. But I brought it up in the in at the end because I felt like we were getting close to a stalemate. <laughs> and I wanted to bring up like, okay, let's consider the big picture for these two songs because otherwise we're going to be here all day. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting because, yeah, you get from like the earlier in the career, you know, it changed throughout her career. Earlier in her career, she was working with roughly the same group of people she starts going uh, working with Max Martin in the pop era. Speak Now, notably, is without any help, is just her, um, on the writing at least. And then, uh, then in the folklore era, you have the the Aaron Dessner's help. But overall, though, is one thing I've learned about Taylor over the course of of her career is, regardless of who's helping her, whether with the writing or the production. She's somehow remained extremely consistent and there are trends that go through her entire discography, regardless of who's helping her out. There's a through line all the way from Tim McGraw to mastermind. If you look at the details and that's quite a, like a compliment, I think to Taylor is that, that she's none of these, like none of this help, none of these collaborations have ever change the kind of writer she is because ultimately at the end of the day she's always calling the shot of what comes out if she doesn't like it it doesn't happen because she knows she has to stamp her name on it i think that keeps it from being a situation where it matters it doesn't really matter big picture which is interesting about taylor yeah i mean you've seen the memes kind of going around of like one song 20 producers Song from like the 1970s, two people. Right, right. Taylor, yeah, it harkens back to that era in a lot of cases. She write, she does pop music, but she doesn't, you know, it's not like pop music like, uh, you know, Drake makes. It's not like, yeah, you're like not looking at staring down a wall of producers. You're looking at a producer, maybe two, two songwriters, maybe. And Taylor's always one of those two things, both production and writing nowadays. Yeah, but she doesn't just get influenced by her producers. She gets influenced by her relationships. And we did touch on those when they came up and when they were kind of relevant (laughs) of the different relationships that she's had with people when they became relevant that the song was obviously more or less about them. Yeah, and she used to be a a lot more open about it than she is now. I think now it'd be like pulling teeth to get her admit. To admit that the song is a, a song is about someone specific. Well, but she's yeah. been dating Joe Alwyn for the past five years now, right? And yeah, 17? it's easy to assume that most of the love songs now are about him, yes. and that's why the fans usually do, unless you know they're working on conspiracy theories. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like there was an era there uh, early on where yeah, it was very clear who she was referring to because she'd often use their name in the song, and I was like, oh, okay, I knew who John is. I've been paying attention, that kind of thing. You and know what so, style is referring to. I mean, yeah, which is weird now. Uh, but yeah, it's like it used to be a little bit more obvious. And but but I don't 
necessarily think it it affects the actual like what we were trying to do with the bracket that much but it is interesting for context sake because yeah i mean the reason why man i would have loved to see dear john i know you didn't get it so it didn't move on past the the choosing round but man i feel like it belonged on this bracket because of just how strong it is of a statement against someone specific she never did that again, and there's probably a good reason why. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that um, during your initial rankings that most of your S ranking tiers came from uh, Speak Now. I it, it's a I have a soft spot for that record. I really think that it's the most eccentric of the Taylor Swift records. It's so her that it is both like to me both perfect and flawed it's extremely flawed but in its flaws is just taylor and it's so her it's remains to me like the most like close to her personality of a record that she's ever put out and because she's the only one writing it no one was there to tell her no (laughs) so it's a fascinating thing but i feel like the reason why it's so fascinating to me is that yeah like is because of that personality how linked it is to her and thus, the highs are really, really high, and the lows are pretty low. And that dichotomy makes it and Lover to me, but her two most fascinating records. Midnight's is close, but Midnight's is too good. I think the interesting thing about Speak Now and Lover is that they both have really low moments paired with some of the highest highs of her career. And so, yeah, I just think that the strengths of when it's good when she's firing on all cylinders on that record on speak now like are some of the best songs in her career and yeah i'm just sad that we didn't see eye to eye on on some of those uh, so they didn't really necessarily move on as far as i'd like them to however we probably still regardless of what would moved on from that record probably still would have ended up where we did in the finals well because speak now was put up against red Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the ones that didn't make it that we had pushed off were mine back to december which i think probably could have made the bracket instead of enchanted now um near john (laughs) me haunted we are never ever getting back together holy ground and the lucky one yeah yeah that all checks out it's a good honorable mentions list like i feel (laughs) i feel like that's the thing about taylor's uh, taylor's songs is that so many of them are good that, yeah, just having to, it's almost criminal only going in with 16 songs. Like we did it because, you know, it, it was already almost a three hour show. Did we want to do five? No. <laughs> um, so like, no, of course not. We weren't going to go in with more than 16 songs, but it does do a disservice to how stellar and how good her catalog is when you really. Well, there's there's no way we were going to put all 140 something some odd songs. <laughs> into a bracket and just start going one picnic picking one at each other yeah no that wouldn't have been fair and that's why i wanted to do it the way that we did it which is why i suggested it is because at least we get to talk about all of them i wanted an opportunity to at least shout them out give them a shout outs and talk about it what like what's interesting about those songs instead of dismissing them completely by just not talking about them at all so i'm glad that we got to have those conversations we did, but you know there were some songs where we were just like, okay, let's just move on from here. <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm mostly saying this for the ones we liked, the ones we didn't. I mean, we didn't need to talk about me that long <laughs> or London Boy 
So or like innocent or yeah. uh, what was the other one that we had the F on? <laughs> oh geez, some of the some of the songs on debut uh yes. probably would have Yes. Oh yeah, struggling yeah. through the uh debut. Oh how looking back at 15 years. Or you're not sorry on Fearless. It's like we get it. You like one republic. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. It's just there I I'm glad that we got to talk about some of them. Yeah, some of them we could have skipped, but honestly, like I'm glad that we did it the way we did it. But and I don't know if this is already something that you wanted to pivot to at some point, but like it pains me though that we weren't able to again for time and sanity reasons uh tackle some of our bonus tracks because who boy there's some real good ones that we didn't even get to talk about because of our structure yeah so we purposely didn't go through the bonus tracks because we wanted just to do the initial releases even though there were albums like fearless which had and speak now which had the alternate versions or Mm -hmm. the extended deluxe versions added with it within mere days or weeks and even with like minutes or sorry midnights as, and then immediately like the next day a 3 a.m right. edition right yeah no and and that's the thing is like fans know that taylor has a habit of burying some of her best songs in the bonus sections of her records like there's a lot of song, taylor songs that have reputations no pun intended of being amazing that were not weren't on the record um first off ours from the speak now era comes to mind new romantics from 1989 ronin after red um most recently would have could have should have and the great war from midnight's 3 a.m edition um really the only era that doesn't have bonus tracks is still reputation uh i saw somebody recently talking about this where they were talking about like how weird that is that there just wasn't weren't there were there just not any other songs from that era or so theory, are there vault stuff that's coming later theory it's either that there's vault stuff or because it was the last record that you put out for big machine that you just uh-huh. wanted to get it out and done and You're, so it was like yeah. here's your songs for an album now i'm going to go put everything else for lover or yeah, her next album you're probably right she was already probably by that point already thinking about ditching them and so, yeah, you're probably right. After those sessions were done, she was probably like, okay, uh, no more for you. More for me, but no more for you. And yeah, that led to the lover sessions. So yeah, you're probably right. Uh, that's probably why we don't have bonus material from Reputation. It'll be interesting to see if there's any vault tracks on the inevitable Reputation Taylor's version. Uh, but I guess we'll find out. But yeah, adding bonus tracks would have just made this even longer than it already was yeah but uh man though new romantics probably top five for me just saying anyway (laughs) has there been a bonus track that's become like a staple or a hit i mean it depends on how you define that right is like (laughs) to like on the billboard charts no but on for fans there are plenty of fan favorites that are that are locked away into the 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 vault. Um, I think going forward, I think a lot of the Midnight's vault tracks, or uh, sorry, deluxe tracks or three AM tracks, will probably be future classics. Um, for that, and that's just one example. And the folklore and Evermore bonus tracks have done pretty well um, in for the fans. 
So, yeah, I mean, it's never going to be like because they're not on the record proper. They're never going to be like make an impact culturally, but they will like I feel like be always special for the fans. You think she'll ever do a tour of just songs from the vault? (laughs) Maybe later, maybe much (laughs) later in her career, like maybe another 20 years. And then she'll just do like, all right. Hey, remember the Eras tour? Well, now I'm going to do that again, but I'm going to do just the bonus tracks. She could probably pull it off. I don't think she'd be able to pull it off for like a full-on stadium tour. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I've been Maybe. Thinking, like, uh, yeah, people uh, just buy those tickets no matter what now. Yeah, yeah. Another thing I've been thinking about lately has been when Folklore came out, I remember a lot of people being like, wow, well, she was just going to go on this tour. Well, I'm glad she put this record out now because you can't go on a tour and these songs just aren't ready for a tour. Mm-hmm. I remember that was the narrative. And even with Evermore, it was like, she can't, these are not arena songs. Well, flash forward to now, and I'm watching watching footage of the Folklore or Evermore songs that she's doing on the Eras tour. Everybody was wrong. <laughs> Everybody forgot, no, she's Taylor, she'll figure it out. And yeah, those songs are epic in a stadium setting. Like, they work. She gets in those flowy dresses, she dances, or she's at the piano. The thing is, as people forget, it's like Taylor commands a crowd regardless of what she's doing on stage. She can just be sitting in a, on a stool with her acoustic guitar and people will pay attention and they'll be singing along the whole time. Not everything has to be a big bombastic number. And I think that she somehow managed to make some of the folklore songs Though the, that big and bombastic, even like, which I think like nobody really saw coming. And I was like, wow, yeah, no, she pulled it off. So if we were to do this with another artist, yeah. I mean, I know we did it because the era tour was announced yeah, and it was coming up. And I was like, hey, here's a good chance because we've been, she's been a recurring theme on our regular shows, whether it's with the Ticketmaster or with the new releases. Or just whatever's going on. Do you think there's another artist we could have done this with? I think you could probably pull it off. I think what makes Taylor unique, though, is that there's so much context. And there's so many stories that surround all of these songs. And I feel like there's more meat there. There's more to bite into. But I'm sure the, the other some other artists would have that, too. I mean... You could probably do a podcast series similar to this with all the Beatles records. There's not that many of them, so you could probably do it. <laughs> you know, a band only active in the in the 60s, you know, it helps. Like, that's only 10 years of content. But there's a lot there still to be, like to chew into because of all the lore over rock history. Um, there's probably contemporary artists you could do this too. I mean, we would never want to do this, but you could do this with Drake, probably. Um, but God, no, you you could probably do it with Beyonce. You could absolutely do it with Beyonce. Uh, although she's gone through so many different things. Like there's so many different sounds with her. Yeah. I guess that that would be similar to Taylor's trajectory as well. Um, yeah, I feel like this is that you could do this with a handful of people. It's just that, yeah, I think Taylor is just like, I, like I've said, is having such a creative Renaissance right now. That, like, I think it's a really interesting subject. Like, she's not done is the crazy thing about this. Most people don't do their retrospective tour until much later in their career when they're, you know, retiring or something. Taylor's doing it now. 
because she's happens to be in the, the middle of this re-recording project. But really, it's just as kind of like, I feel like we're only at the halfway point, maybe not even halfway. Like she's got a light, lot of life to live, a lot more music to make. And she doesn't look, have show any signs that she's slowing down or getting worse. If anything, she's getting better. I mean, yes, it's this Eras tour is not her farewell tour. It's not like Kiss or Elton John, where it's like the Yellow Bick Road um, farewell tour <laughs> that some of these older artists are doing. I mean, it helps that she's half their age. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like, like not even that. Like, like for like someone like Elton John, she's like not even, not even half. Like, <laughs> ooh, but that does bring up a good question. Does she have a best of record? No, and I don't think she needs one. I think that she's the last. She's she's right on the cusp of that generation where I don't think artists need to have greatest hits anymore. The, oh, weekend the weekend did it. I know the weekend <laughs> did it, but I don't know necessarily why. I think part of why the weekend did it was because I don't know if this is true or not, but maybe there was some sort of difference in the the label. Like maybe he had got jumped between labels at some point. Uh, because well, I he know also that put his... it out right before he did the uh, Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, which I mean, maybe maybe is part of that. Uh, but I think that what why Taylor doesn't do that is because of streaming. I think with streaming now, the impetus isn't really on artists to like it's not there's no pressure for artists really to put a greatest hits collection out because their Spotify page is their greatest hits collection. Spotify makes the greatest hits for you by saying what the best like the most streamed songs are. They already float that stuff to the top and not just Spotify. All the streaming services do this. So she'll never need one. She is a walking like walking greatest hits playlist like. All like the fans do it themselves. Like you can make your own greatest hits playlist because of the powers the streaming uh, services give you. So no, I don't think it'll ever happen. Or if it does, it'll be a very curated collection. That'll be like a collector's item, and it'll be later in her career. Um. So yeah, I did make like a playlist of our top sixteen songs. It's pretty solid, huh? Yeah, it's a really? full hour. Yeah, I really? did. Um, I, I don't know if you heard this too, but the transition from Getaway Car to Cruel Summer <laughs> pretty good. just flows so perfectly. <laughs> yeah. It was funny though. I almost wonder if I, what I might try is maybe like changing up the sequencing a little bit because going in chronological order was funny because you get those three fearless tracks right next to each other. Yes. And I kind of was like, all right, well, hmm, let's change. I, I wonder if there's a way to change this up. So I'm curious about like whether I should like, what would happen if I go in and like retool it and maybe not go by chronological order and figure out what actually flows best. If you go by ranked order. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, by like literally like considering, have you ever made a playlist before? Come on. Like you got to consider the exit of one song and the entrance to the other song. You got to like, no, you hit shuffle on that thing. How you dare you? You make a playlist, you, you hit shuffle and you leave it, leave it, leave it be. Oh, couldn't that couldn't be me. Anyway, <laughs> well, yeah, it was a fun experiment, and I think um, I think that we got to have a fun deep dive into everything Taylor, um, and we probably are going to be sick of talking about her for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know how we got through all those hours, but <laughs> somehow we came out on the other side. 
and yet you requested to do this podcast, another podcast of talking about Taylor Swift. <laughs> we didn't have to do this. No, we're doing it for you, the bonus listeners. <laughs> All right. Well, have we said our piece? Do you think there's I think any we've other? Said our p- I mean, I think I pretty much said our piece here. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything else that we need to talk about because, like I said, we have hours upon hours to go back yeah. to. And we now have a whole calendar year to decide what we do next week. Or next week, Jesus. Next week. Next, yeah, next week. No, next year for March Madness. What will it be? Will it be video games, movies, TV? It could be any of those things. Uh, But we will figure that out next year. (laughs) Yes. In the meantime, thank you for joining us on this wrap-up edition of the Taylor Swift Tourney, the Taylor Swift Heiress Tournament. Let me be uh, correct in our branding here. Part of this year's Media Boat Podcast March Madness Bracket Series. Thank you for listening. Thank you for dealing with us. Thank you for bearing with us on this very indulgent trip. We will be back this weekend for another episode of the regular Media Boat Podcast. If you want to know where that is, hey, it's on this feed that you're listening to. I don't need to plug to you. You're a loyal listener. Thank you for subscribing. However, if this is the first time you're hearing this, hey, then you must be from the future. And you can listen to all of this series all at once. It's all in the feed together. And you can start to see the whole journey from the beginning as we went through every single Taylor Swift album. Or as Taylor Swift says at the end of our song, we'll play it again. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back for a regular show soon. Bye. All right. Bye.